Yeah, which I, I guess this is one of the few times where the guy ends up smelling like fish after sex. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the great great ape himself, the Peter. I am recording from my bed. Lazy ass. Oh, I'm sick. If only you could do this for all jobs. And then Peter's personal Beagly Beagly is back, Cecil. Yes. Uh, is he like the grape ape from the movie Ape that uh, gives the middle finger to helicopters? No, the great grape <laughs> ape, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon. No, I know who grape ape is, but I'm also thinking, ah, I'm just going B-movie style here. Just go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> there's too many. There's just way too many layers to the ape. Oh, big ape, too. She could you make, make a baby. baby? <laughs> Before we get into the topic, if you guys want to help out the show, you should be using NordVPN. You should you be using a VPN no matter what, whether it's Nord or not, because the internet be a dangerous place out there. Nord will help protect your data. It'll help encode your data. It'll allow you to get around region locking. It'll allow you to surf some of the darker parts of the internet a lot safer. What you need to do is go to 1201beyond.com backslash VPN, and you will get 75% off of a three-year plan. That's only $2.99 a month for Nord VPN's protection. And you really, really should use it. And it really helps out the show, just like going to adamandeve.com. If you use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, you will get three free DVDs, 50% off of a single item, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping, just for using the promo code DROME. It is the 65th anniversary of Creature from the Black Lagoon this year. Technically, it's the 66th, but that's only a technicality. Let's talk about not the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies but all of the things that came in the wake of the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies. When you think of a movie clearly inspired by Creature from the Black Lagoon, what do you think of? Uh, my go-to is always uh, Humanoids from the Deep. That's probably the one I, I watch the most. And it's such a it's such a movie that takes the, the kind of... Like, there's something very innocent about the first Creature from the Black Lagoon movie. And then Humanoids from the Deep is just this, like, really mean-spirited, really violent thing that the, the monsters rape people and stuff. So it's, it's such a crazy spin the original up onto its head concept but still very much holds true to uh, to being like an aquatic monster of the deep type movie in in rubber suits so that one always um i always hearken back to it's just it's such a vicious movie it's really like it's unpleasant really but in a good way also i I guess uh, another uh, Corman film would be Screamers, not the well. Well, that was the alternate title one. But, that, I, I, but I, I'll get into the history that Screamers isn't even technically a Roger. Cor- it is, but it's not. It is, but it's not. There's actually a really good story behind that one. And what what was the original title? Because it was it was something else. It was it like Island of the Fishmen. Island. Okay, it was Island of the Fishmen. Now I'm backwards because it's been a few years. So anyway, uh, the other one is is just so vicious and brutal and uh, nasty and uh, perfectly great for uh, that era of cinema. 
when all that stuff was, I don't want to say it was okay, but it was a little less taboo. One of the reasons that I want to talk about this is, one, I wrote an article in the newest issue of Horror Hound Magazine, issue 78, about this exact thing, but also, with The Shape of Water winning the tons of Oscars the other, a year or two ago, it's sort of this, this kind of subgenre isn't usually thought of as a subgenre. You know, you've got Jaws ripoffs, and you've got underwater monster movies, like Deep Star 6 and that. Creature from the Black Lagoon ripoffs aren't a genre into themselves because like when we go over the list here because usually when there's a ripoff genre it's a relatively constant thing with creature stuff you'll go five six years between each of these movies so does that even count as a subgenre unto itself out of all the monster movies seems like creature from the black lagoon is just slightly above the invisible man as far as um having movies made out of it I was kind of surprised after Shape of Water won the Oscar. I'm, I'm going to spout some heresy there. I didn't like the movie at all. It should not have won the Oscar, but it did. And we can't change that. I think it's his worst film. And I mean, I'm not saying particularly that it was bad, but I, when you compare that to like Pan's Labyrinth, it's like... Eh. I don't know. I just, I had a lot of problems with it. But I liked that it kind of was a Creature from the Black Lagoon movie to a certain degree. Would have been more that would have come out from that. Uh, I know if the Dark Universe uh, would have actually happened with the mummy and all that, if the mummy wasn't a con, just cosmic failure, <laughs> I think the, um, cause they had, the arm in in that like lockup prodigium's laboratory had the one of the lab they had had one of his arms yeah so i was and i believe they had said that that was actually either going to be the second or third film but when if you look at how many draculas and frankensteins and even mummies there have been Creature from the Black Lagoon and Invisible Man were are somewhere down the bottom. They just they don't get as many films about them. And I think there's a lot that you could do with a Creature from the Black Lagoon. I know there were rumors of uh, Rob Zombie doing a Creature from the Black Lagoon. And as much as I think that could work, I think Rob is better when he sticks to his own material. But then 31 kind of happened, and I had to rethink that whole concept. <laughs> well, well, when it comes to remakes and stuff like that, official remakes, John Carpenter was supposed to remake it in 1995 and I've read his script his was less of a creature remake as more of what if the third creature from the Black Lagoon movie The Creature Walks Among Us was remade as Humanoids from the Deep it's got beheadings and rapes and boobies everywhere and gore and I don't think John Carpenter understood why the first creature from the Black Lagoon worked it has a weird innocence and I don't want to mean I don't mean childish in a bad way but like the creature is so childish it's almost innocent in a strange way yeah it's just kind of it's just sort of existing well it just wants to exist and be left alone and you know when it comes across a woman well okay he gets a little you know there's implied rape ish that was a that was a trope i mean you know king kong stole a woman too that was just kind of the thing of the time. The monster right. steals the damsel. So we have the three original movies. We have Creature from the Black Lagoon, then 1955's Revenge of the Creature, and 1956's The Creature Walks Among Us. And each one of them had diminishing returns in terms of budget, because, man, by the time we get to Creature Walks Among Us, only two years after the original, you can see how much the budget has been slashed. But technically, he actually appeared first in a Colgate Comedy Hour episode with Abbott and Costello in 
in 1953 mm. when they were running, doing one of their monstery things. So that's why I said technically this is the 66th anniversary because he did make an appearance on the Colgate Comedy Hour, but nobody knew what it was yet because the first Creature from the Black Lagoon hadn't come out yet. What I think is really interesting about Creature from the Black Lagoon is he's always called part of the Universal Monsters, and he is. But he's 20 years after their Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman and Invisible Man and all that and all that. It's so weird how he came 20 years later, but he's always grouped as part of them in pop culture. Isn't that weird? That's that's a hard movie that would have been really difficult to make during the heyday of of Wolfman and Frankenstein and all that stuff. Because like, if you look at the suit in the first uh, creature film. It's really innovative. To this day, it still looks really, really good. It's it's one of the great man-in-suit uh, monster characters, and I, I don't think they could have done it nearly as well 20 years prior. So it, it had the benefit of being a little bit newer, because I do think they were working with, with new makeup technologies and stuff like that. You needed something that they could wear under the water that isn't going to be falling apart. It's not going to start deteriorating right away. Like it, it needed to be very innovative. So I, I think being uh, 20 something years later lent a hand to how impressive the creature ended up looking and how impressive the, the film ended up being. I had never seen The Creature in the Black Lagoon. I was very little. One of the channels, uh, one of the UHF channels here, they were running a thing where uh, back in the day wasn't really cable when, well, there was cable, but more, you know, people were watching 3, 6, and 10, which changed throughout the, the country. But anyway, I'm digressing. Uh, on one of the UHF channels, they made a big deal where they were going to run The Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D. Nope, nope, and, nope. I'm going to stop you. It was Revenge of the Creature in 3D. I, I know exactly. Exactly what one you're talking about in 1984, because I remember that. You could get the glasses at 7-Elevens. Yes, you, get, you had, that was the only thing. You had to get the glasses at 7-Eleven, or they came in, uh, the, the one Sunday newspaper. I don't know if that was a, uh, countrywide thing or, or if that was just a Philadelphia area thing, but you can No, get I, I do remember that because we don't have 7-Elevens where I live, and that's how I got my glasses. Get it from the paper. Yeah, you could, you could go to 7-Eleven and get the glasses, or you could get it. I thought it was the original, I mean, now granted we're going back 30 plus years. Unless we're thinking of different events, it was Revenge of the Creature, and in some parts of the country, Elvira hosted it in 3D, and she was the first person to ever be broadcast live in 3D. I don't remember Elvira, because I think they ran it at like 6 p.m., on like a on like a Sunday, if because uh, I'm again I'm I'm really just going off memory here. I was I was just a little fella. It was cool because I'd never seen anything in 3D before, and then it was here's this black and white movie in 3D, and I remember it scared the hell out of me. And uh, so that always kind of stuck with me how much I, I liked the creature from the Black Lagoon, although apparently it may or may not have been the original because I've seen them you know, over the years, so, but I don't I I just always remembered it being the original, but it, I could just be uh, misremembering as they say. Really, when it comes to Creature from the Black Lagoon, everything goes back to H.P. Lovecraft. The shadow over Innsmouth is probably the inspiration for everything that followed after Creature. There were lots of movies that came in the wake of the Creature. Not an official sequel, but 1959's The Monster of Piedras Blacas might as well be. It's made by the same people who made the costume for the original creature from the Black Lagoon, and it's produced by the same people who produced that movie. So the monster Piedras Blacas, while being kind of a ripoff, might as well be an unofficial sequel, kind of. 
I don't remember much of it, but yeah, you could probably just classify it as like a shared universe movie. Then you've you've got Roger Corman. Y- you might say you got Roger Corman, who's never one to overlook an opportunity, but at the same time, man, he took six years to make his creature rip off. Creature from the Haunted Sea, which was both a s- weird spoof and a ripoff. You guys remember this one? This is the one with the goofy-looking monster that looks like it's furry? I haven't seen this one, no. You've never seen Creature from the Haunted Sea? I have not, no. Uh, I don't think I have, actually. Oh, you guys. Jeez. Okay. What about... Ni- okay, this one I know you've seen on Mystery Science Theater. 1964's The Horror at Party Beach. Oh, God, yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's the one with the big carpet monster. That's the creeping terror. This the is the one with terror. the... This is the one with the monster that looks like it has hot dogs in its mouth. Oh, yeah, okay, yes. The movie constantly stops to have, quote-unquote, live music numbers. You know, this is that weird one where it's trying to be like one of those teen rip-off movies at the same time it's trying to be a creature rip-off. You kind of ask yourself, you had no idea what you wanted to be because you've got these, for the 1964, some pretty hardcore violence in the monster attacks, and then... 20 straight minutes of teens dancing to bad rock and roll music. (laughs) And it's like, you really need to pick a genre movie. Yeah, that one is really goofy. There was, for a TV movie, you have Curse of the Swamp Creature in 1966, which, okay, what do you expect when you get the director of Zontar, the thing from Venus and Mars Needs Women? Did you expect quality? Because you weren't going to get it. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, that that's just screams quality to me. What are you talking about? So that's the guy well, you want making a movie like that. Right! How about 1971? More people have seen this on Mystery Science Theater, but they haven't seen it properly because Mystery Science Theater cut a ton of footage out. Would be Zat oh, or the Zat. Blo- or Blood Waters of Dr. Z, which... I called it in my Horror Hound article a borderline incompetent creature ripoff that insults your intelligence, all the while boring the sin out of you. Oh, it's not borderline. It is incompetent. Entirely. A hundred percent incompetent. There are lingering shots of, of the man in suit struggling to walk a straight line and then just f***ing eating sh- like it's and they they keep it in like they keep <laughs> yeah, the they guy just stripping no no cuts nothing they couldn't afford to believe now you can only see this in the in the okay this is strange in the laser disc version which you is open mat yeah where you can see his sneakers yeah that's the, that. the, clearly see the sneakers on the guy <laughs> wearing the monster costume he's wearing but, like, like white sports sneakers and it's it's the funniest shit as he's like walking around his lab or whatever but yeah in in one of the releases I believe you're right it's the laser cut where it's a little bit extended. And yeah, you can see that in, in some shots, I guess, because you can't really blame the guy. He, he wanted to be comfortable. Even in, like, most big suit, you know, rubber suit or plastic suit uh, features, like even RoboCop, there are times when he's just kind of where Peter Weller was just wearing, like, a leotard, so they were just shooting from the waist up. So I don't really blame the guy for wearing sneakers. I mean, he, he ate shit so many times in that costume. <laughs> so it's like I feel for the guy. But the movie is so boring. I mean, seriously, this is a movie that has 10 minutes of story in 90 minutes. There are so many scenes of just somebody fiddling with knobs. And you ask yourself, <laughs> movie, do you know how to movie? No, it doesn't. And that's why it's amazing. It is one of the movies that is per, like perfectly riffed on Mystery Science Theater because there's nothing really very little redeeming about it. And they make it hilarious. It's one of my favorite episodes. It's so funny. Yet at the same time, 
as I said, for some reason, there's so much boring in this movie, yet they cut, like, 18 minutes out of the film to make it fit on Mystery Science Theater. So when you see it uncut, it's somehow even more boring! (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of, you know, a lofty goal to reach, I guess. Kind of? Kind of, yeah. It it reached a a level of anti-filmmaking where it just became, it's the perfect study of how not to make a film. Like, it's the anti-film. Pretty much it is, yeah. 1978's Slithis, a.k.a. Spawn of the Slithis. Now, this one would technically not be a Creature from the Black Lagoon. Because, see, for Creature from the Black Lagoon, it, it's it's a, a lost genotype. It's a lost creature that, that nobody remembers, that has been, you know, forgotten by the fossil record and is like the last of their species. The sort of toxic waste-created creature, which Horror at Party Beach was the same way. The, the creature was created from toxic waste. I'm still going to call it a creature ripoff even though it technically isn't because this is a toxic waste created monster and the thing with slithus this movie is so 1970s californian politics (laughs) the movie beats you over the head with the anti-toxic waste anti-throwing garbage i just want to be on the record i'm for all that i don't think we should be throwing trash in the ocean i think we should be conserving nature and all that but the movie is so liberal college sort of beat you over the head with this look how bad your stupid your stupid pollution <laughs> has gotten things the only thing that this one does that's really different is we see so many pov attacks from the monster and they use this weird i don't mean a normal fisheye lens you know where it bends the edges of the frame this one has like a circle in the center so we're supposed to be seeing it from what the creature is seeing it's really annoying to try and watch slithus at times <laughs> the the creature at least looks really great though from what i remember it's a good looking monster monster kind of looks like the creature from the black lagoon if like he really started hitting the weights hard (laughs) he's like a really like burly version and and also if he kind of let himself go in some ways too. yeah he's got got more of that like power lifting sort of physique well he has a little bit of a paunch in the belly and stuff yeah like 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 i said he's like a thicker version of the of the creature the creature from planet fitness I lift things up and I put them down. I lift things up and I put them down. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, Slithus is good, and I, I absolutely think it still counts, even if it's like a toxic waste message kind of thing, and if it was created by those sorts of substances. I think as long as it's kind of like a slimy monster that comes out of a bog or a creek or whatever, or a swamp, then I, I think it counts. Island of the Fishmen. Does that really count because they're genetically made? No, I'm just talking the, the, the original Sergio Martino film. So I'm talking 1979, Sergio Martino's Island of the Fishmen. Leave all the Roger Corman stuff out for right now. They're, they're sort of made, not born, but then they sort of are. Island of the Fishmen is weird. It's a movie that as you watch it, Get the idea it's really trying to be a good, somewhat artistic kind of movie. Then Sergio Martino lets his, his, he, he lets his exploitation influences sort of take over every now and then, which makes it sort of a weirdly fractured movie. I'm a huge uh, dick writer for Sergio Martino. I, I do think that it, this one still counts. Again, it's, it's fishmen. And even if they're like bioengineered science experiment fishmen, as long as they occupy the water and as long as they're slimy or scaly, 
basically fish people type concepts because that's pretty much what the creature from the black lagoon is he's like this weird pre prehistoric creature that's like half man half fish some sort of weird genos so as long as your creature or or creatures fishy men or some sort of aquatic humanoid that live in the water and occupy creeks or bogs or swamps or lakes or even the whole fucking ocean i mean it, it counts it counts as that sort of film took a little bit at the very least it took some inspiration from it because they're you know the bipedal fishmen they kind of have that googly eyed look and modified because they they tried to because um, i'm trying to go back and forth between both versions because there was all kinds of changes made they were uh the old fishermen or something and they were cursed and then they had like toxic you know they they had uh genetic stuff done to them to make them into like fishmen slaves and it's it's such a it's such a weird movie, and it's such a bizarre story of how both versions got made. For the Martino version, you can really see the shadow over Innsmouth, the Lovecraft influence. Oh, definitely. On Island of the Fishmen. That is all over. And and I think I'm going to say, I'm going to give him the credit that this was an intentional thing he did. He shoots the movie very brightly. I don't mean that like that flat lighting like an A-Team episode, but he shoots most of the movie in bright settings in daylight. Had to have been a conscious choice to make the weird horror movie in the daytime. Because you don't see that that often. No, no, you don't. Like, Sergio has always been full of a lot of really good ideas when it comes to a, a movie having a certain aesthetic to it. Like, his um, his films definitely stand out when it comes to that genre of kind of rip-off movies and stuff. Like, you know, films like Hands of Steel and 2019 and stuff like that. Like, he, he has a a very unique approach to to the ripoff film like he he adds a lot of his own ideas into these things that that are that are ripoffs like sure hands hands of steel is a terminator knockoff but it's also about arm wrestling truck drivers so it's like there's stuff that he that he adds in that really makes it work in the end at least even if it doesn't necessarily work objectively it's interesting to watch and hands of steel's got something the terminator doesn't paco quarak and raul yes. raul morales is the f***ing strongest <laughs> yes for island of the fishmen now m maybe i'm seeing something that's not there okay it's clearly got the hp lovecraft shadow over innsmouth influence but stylistically did you guys also get a weird jules verne influence with the the the, the props and the sets and I got a Jules Verne vibe off this strangely, and I, I that had to have been something Martino was trying to do. I, I could see that. Yeah, same. I could see that, totally. This came out, and then Roger Corman got a hold of it. Roger Corman made some strange decisions. First, it wasn't called Screamers at this point. It was called Something Waits in the Dark, his re-edit. Funny, if you watch Videodrome, one of the posters behind Max Wren in his office is a Something Waits in the Dark poster. Mm. So th that's actually for the Roger Corman edit of this movie. That's a much better but, title for the movie, too, I feel like. Like, even if uh, a lot of it, the film is kind of bright, that's a very, like, Lovecraftian, deep one kind of uh kind of title like i think it really works for that sort of thing 
Yeah, that it is does. much better. Well, so he did that in 1980, and what he did was he cut about 18 minutes out of the movie, he changed the creature design, so some of the insert shots of the creatures look way more like the Jack Arnold creature from the Black Lagoon, because mm. I guess I guess Island of the Fishermen wasn't close enough of a ripoff for Roger Corman. <laughs> he, 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 changed, he changed the dub. He hired Jim Wynorski to shoot a new 12-minute intro sequence, huh. and he hired Mel Farrar and Cameron Mitchell for it and the 12 minute intro is in the dark lots of that cool blue lighting it's it's super atmospheric it's also super gory and has absolutely nothing to do with island of the fishmen <laughs> it's almost like a short film unto itself and stylistically doesn't match sergio martino at all I've got to so say, it's really weird. With you talking about this, this just, um, I'm now coming into realization I've never seen this cut of the film. I've only just seen the Island of the Fishmen original Martino version. Well, Cecil, can you back me up on this one? The Jim Wynorski intro is great, but doesn't fit the Island of the Fishmen at all? No, it sets the tone for a completely different film. <laughs> Yeah, it does, both atmospherically and graphically. Oh, God. It, it's, it, it's like a 12-minute short film that happens to play before the Roger Corman edit of Island of the Fishmen, well, doesn't I mean, it? Mar- Martino and Wynorski could not be, like, more different-style directors. They have they both have very, like, unique approaches to what they do. Well, and also, Martino shot this like a European film. Yeah. Wynorski, Wynorski shot it like a Roger Corman exploitation well, film. Well, yeah, with gel, obviously with, like, the gel lighting and, and stuff like that, which sounds really cool, but it's kind of weird when it snaps to an Italian European style exploitation film because those are two very, very differing styles. Well, and also the film stock is different too. Oh it's, yeah. This intro could not fit less could it? Yeah, because you're watching it and you're like, oh, okay, and then it gets into the actual movie that was shot before this, and oh, well, what what, what quite is going on here? It, yeah, it really is <laughs> It really is two different movies. He released it as Something Waits in the Dark in 1980, and it bombed. So he pulled it back, changed a couple of more things, re-released it as Screamers in 1981, and then he still had to pull it again, because the trailer for Screamers promised... Screamers are coming. Their men turned inside out. Their lungs blow up and burst. Their brains expand, and their bodies implode. And the worst thing of all is, they're still alive. Screamers, they'll turn you inside out. Screamers. Rated R. Persons under 17 not admitted without parent or guardian starts Friday. There's nothing like that in the movie, though. (laughs) Nope. So, when so many people complained, he actually had to pull the movie again, insert one gore scene of a guy being turned inside out, and then re-release it for a third f***ing time. Because... Roger Corman. Wow. Well, that was back in the day when you could do that. Release a movie. Like, it, it happened with uh, Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall came out as Killbots. Nobody went to see it. They pulled it, renamed it Chopping Mall, came out, did very well. So Again, Another Jim Wynorski movie. Another yeah, Jim Wynorski like. movie, yeah. Now, granted, Ch- Chopping Mall is the vastly superior name, but Killbots is actually more accurate to the film itself but shopping mall is just the better name so but that was back in the day when you could do that now god you'd be you'd be murdered you know raked over the coals i re-released the movie with the new title the same movie and so i think 
but that was also back in the day when there was a lot less films coming out. We didn't have the influx of 80 bajillion films coming from every different angle, from theaters to VOD to 50 different uh, online streaming services, and then you have the independents. And so uh, I think now there's just so much more product. Back then, people were, hey, I didn't like it this time. Maybe I'll like it again under the new title. Well, and we've been going chronologically, and we're going to continue to do that. But I want to mention that there is an Sergio Martino did make a sequel to Island of the Fishmen. In 1995, he made The Fishmen and Their Queen. It's a post-apocalyptic film where humans are trying to reclaim Earth from the fishmen who have taken it over, and for no reason at all, I guess because why not, he uses stock footage from his own 2019 after the fall of New York for the post-apocalyptic stuff because Sergio Martino. Well, when in doubt, use stock footage. How have I, have, how have I not seen this one? Excuse me, I have to go kick my ass for a few minutes. That sounds the great. Fi- the Fishman and Their Queen, 1995, that Sergio Martino. Fishman and Their Queen is a sequel to Island of the Fishmen, but not a sequel to Screamers or Something Waits in the Dark, which are also Island of the Fishmen, but it's also sort of a sequel to 2019 After the Fall of New York as well, because Italy. <laughs> Is is Parsifal in it? And oh, is, is Big Ape in it? No, uh, un- unfortunately not. Uh, he, he, it, it's it's basically the stock footage shots, the the things like that. So like, you know, the, 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 like the New York, the model of New York destroyed and all that. Yeah. Yeah, basically the special effects shots. Fishman okay. Cinematic Universe. Well, but then at the same time, Roger Corman was doing all of the Something Waits in the Dark and Screamers and all the pulling it and all the ads, blah, 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 blah. He made his own original Creature from the Black Lagoon ripoff, which would be Humanoids from the Deep. He actually hired Barbara Peters to direct it, and his logic was... If he hired a woman to film this movie filled with rapes and gratuitous violence, then he couldn't be considered misogynistic for it. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Well, Barbara Peters took that a little too far. And I understand her logic on this, okay? I'm not faulting her. In her original cut, the rapes were mostly off-camera. You know, you saw shadows or things like that. And the men were just brutalized because she saw what Corman was doing and was going, I'm going to play you so she tried to turn this into a feminist film and then corman saw that fired her ass and then hired another director to reshoot all of the gore and rape scenes to make them all really graphic oh man oh my (laughs) and and the movie was not originally called humanoids from the deep almost every cast member they have all said on camera i would not have signed on for a movie called humanoids from the deep at the time the movie was called beneath the darkness Mm. and and that sounds a lot more lofty than humanoids from the deep doesn't it it's also a better title yeah but i mean they had a tendency But I think Corman had the the tendency to go with the more exploitation-y, shocky sounding title. I get because I mean it worked. It it got people into the you know into the theater to say, oh I want to go see Humanoids from the Deep because that way you kind of know you have a better idea as far as what the movie is. I mean I think the other one is a better title. I think it it's a little more ambiguous. It sounds a little more artsy, whereas that sounds a lot more exploitation y and a lot more of what the movie actually is. The weird thing with Humanoids from the Deep, besides the mean spiritedness, the graphicness of it, both in the gore and in the in the rapes, if you if you take out the gore and the rape level, I mean the the level of them, this really is a fifties movie. This is a strangely fifties movie with an eighties take on it. I think Corman got ahead 
ahead of himself on this because it's really good in that regard. Especially even the title, Human Rights from the Deep. That sounds like a 50s monster movie, doesn't that's, it? That's a total drive-in title, yeah. Now, uh, I don't know if it was Barbara Peters or the re-edit that made this movie. We've said it so many times. This movie's so mean-spirited. I don't think if you haven't seen this movie, you can understand just how angry this movie comes across. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? It's vicious. It was the the movie we brought up at the beginning of the show, so it's like I'm kind of getting humanoids from the deep fatigue. Well, but then, have either of you seen the remake? No. I believe I saw part of it. Because in 1996, Roger Corman had a TV series on Showtime called Roger Corman Presents. He would remake a bunch of his old movies. There were a couple of original episodes, like Suspect Device, a couple of original movies he made for Showtime, like Vampirella and that. He basically made 1990s versions of Bucket of Blood, Creature from the Haunted Sea, and Humanoids from the Deep. This time, with Robert Carradine as the star, and this version is a lot is a lot less angry than the old version. First of all, all the racist stuff with Vic Morrow is not there from the original. This version in 96 is a lot tamer. I happen to like the 1980 version better. I'm sorry. Better special effects doesn't equal a better movie. Oh, also, I don't even think the effects are that much better. For one thing, this is Roger Corman. I already paid for these special effects. Most of the monster attacks are stock footage from the first movie. Oh. Because it's Roger Corman. <laughs> well, look at look at Battle... Uh, like, I'm doing a bunch of uh, the Corman space movies, and I'm like, man, I cannot believe how many of these are using footage from Battle Beyond the Star. Hey, we paid a lot of money for that footage. We're going to use them in a dozen or more movies, okay? And then they pop up in Bachelor Party. Oh my god! <laughs> they really, really stretch this footage. Did you know that Battle Beyond the Stars was made into a coin-op video game? Actually, like one of those ones where they would use the footage in the background and have vector graphics? In 1981, there was a video game that used Battle Beyond the Stars footage in it, a coin-op game. Oh, that's great. No. You gotta get your money's worth. We paid for these effects. James, These are James Cameron effects, man. <laughs> they certainly are. Rana, Legend of Shadow Lake, or most people will know it from Troma as Croak Frog Monster from Hell, insane-ass Bill Rabane, who he wanted to do his take on the creature, and strangely, the movie is both interesting and mind-numbingly boring at the same time. Huh. Which which is a feat. And also, keep in mind, this is Troma we're talking about. Lloyd Kaufman considers this one of the worst films Troma has ever released. Oh. What does that say? It says a lot. This movie is going to require some explanation. 1987's Demon of Paradise. This is another Roger Corman movie. A ripoff of Humanoids from the Deep. And, Cecil, do you remember that film, the 1979 film Up from the Depths, the, the Jaws ripoff? Yeah. Demon of Paradise is a remake of Up From the Depths, but all the Jaws ripoff stuff is replaced with creature ripoff stuff, as well as basically the script from Humanoids from the Deep. He took the scripts from Up From the Depths and Humanoids from the Deep, mushed them together to make Demon of Paradise. Only Roger Corman could do this. Oh, and he also got Ciro H. Santiago back to direct it because, you know, Santiago did Up From the Depths. Mm. So it's strange. If you've seen Up From the Depths, how much footage from that movie is reused in Demon of Paradise. But just like Humanoids from the Deep, this film is mean-spirited. I, I don't know what Corman's thing was about creature movies that were so mean-spirited. Well, and then in the 1990s, there was no real creature ripoffs. I don't know why. The 1990s 
really just didn't go anywhere with that. The next one would be the 2001 Stuart Gordon film Dagon, which strangely, okay, there I mean, is a love that- Technically Dagon is just a, it's, it's more Lovecraft, like directly Lovecraft based. Well, here's the thing. Dagon is a story by Lovecraft, but the movie Dagon is Shadow is Over Love, is, it's Shadow Over Innsmouth. So I don't know why they called this movie Dagon when that's a different story from <laughs> Lovecraft when they're making Shadow Over Innsmouth, which makes this movie a real head scratcher. It's kind of a, it's a combination of both stories. Cause like the, the old one that they're worshiping in the town, from what I remember, that's like underneath the, the city is Dagon, but then with Shadow, the Shadow over Innsmouth element is like all the deep ones and the weird fish people and all that stuff. So it's kind of a, a combination of both in, in sort of a weird way, but definitely more of an adaptation of, uh, of Shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah, it's, uh, th- this one was strange. Now, personally, I didn't like this movie. I generally like most of Stuart Gordon's work. This one just didn't, didn't work for me, man. Then there are other things where the creature played a large role in things like Monster Squad. Monster Squad, the creature, while needing to be legally distinct enough because that was a Paramount movie and the creature is owned by Universal, <laughs> absolutely inspired by the creature. Oh, it's, the, the it's, creature in the Black Lagoon. It's the creature in the Black Lagoon, just le- legally distinct. Legally distinct enough to not be suable. Well, the whole, like, squad there is all the, like, the, the Universal monster staples and stuff. So it's like, it's obviously meant to be the creature from the Black Lagoon because you've also got Wolfman. You've also got very old school style dracula so it's like it's it's pretty obvious that that's what it's meant to be but then you you have a you have a strange one from universal and that's the monsters on the monsters uncle gilbert was literally the costume from creature from the black lagoon and there's not even a legal problem because the monsters was made by universal so if we assume in the monsters that like herman really is the frankenstein monster and so forth then the creature from the black lagoon is actually uncle gilbert on the monsters (laughs) or am i or am i thinking too deep into this i'd say you're right what I want to end on here is the 2005 The Naked Monster from Ted Newsom, which is an unofficial sequel to Revenge of the Creature. Because in this spoof of giant monster movies, he actually got Laurie Nelson and John Agar play the same characters that they played in Revenge of the Creature while trying to stop this creature. So The Naked Monster is unofficially a sequel to the second sequel because why not right i've I've never seen it but that's pretty interesting well and then you've also got stuff like okay i'm not a big fan of the hellboy movies but abe sapien is absolutely the creature but again legally distinct (laughs) enough isn't it oh yeah well so like a genius so it's it's different it's it's inspired by but i don't think it's a, like a just a straight up ripoff. Yeah, it's it's really more just kind of because the the whole influence on um God damn it, why can't I remember the, the director's name now? Uh, Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro. Del Toro? Yeah. Well, Del Toro's whole thing is he loves aquatic horror stuff. He's clearly a huge fan of Lovecraft. He's clearly a huge fan of the creature. Like there's there's all sorts of stuff linked in pretty much all of his movies that indicate that. Particularly his his two uh, Hellboy films. Like there's there's tons of 
of that sort of aquatic terror, Lovecraftian creature from the Black Lagoon kind of stuff. And, and Abe Sapien is it definitely kind of got some creature elements to him or like a deep one. He's, he's kind of like, like a handsome creature from the Black Lagoon. Why do you think the creature has spawned all of these movies, yet at the same time, I'm still going to argue that this is not a subgenre unto itself because of the fact that there's all these gaps. Like I said, there's not a single one in the 1990s. And then even in the 1970s and 80s, you'd have two, three years go between A Creature from the Black Lagoon ripoff. Why do you think this is such a subgenre unto itself that also isn't a subgenre unto itself? I don't know. I think it's just that in general, they've never been quite as popular. For some reason, people gravitate more to some of the other monsters, and the, the Creature from the Black Lagoon just doesn't quite have that uh, peel. I guess. I think Cecil's kind of got a got a point that they they just don't these types of movies don't really rake in the the numbers uh you know the 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 money return and whatnot for whatever reason. I also think they're they're probably pretty hard to make like you really need to make a, a suit that works like like you look at the the really crappy entries that we've talked about like look at a movie like Zat where they had no budget the suit was awful kept falling apart the guy kept tripping it's like this is what happens when you just churn out crap in this in this genre like you can't just have an aquatic monster movie and the suit doesn't work like it, you absolutely can't do that which is why I think maybe there's been so many gaps because it's such a daunting task to make an aquatic monster monster movie especially like a man in suit kind of movie like you need somebody who's going to come in and have their wits about them to do it like like a sergio martino or like a roger corman or or even uh you know Stuart gordon with uh with dagon you need somebody who kind of knows what they're doing with this and if you get somebody that's just going to come in and make low budget complete schlock uh just incompetent filmmaking like something like zat you're just you are you're gonna get crap you're gonna get something that, that doesn't work it needs uh there needs to be a functionality uh, there needs to be a function to the suit, which is why I, this is why I assume there's been such a gap to it. And especially when you look at the first creature from the Black Lagoon film and how perfect that suit is and how well it functions and how good it still looks now. I, I really, I think that a lot of filmmakers later on going down the road couldn't figure out how, how they did that so well. So it's, I think it's a combination of they just didn't see very good returns from them. And also it's just, it's a really ambitious concept to tackle. That it's strange after Shape of Water won all those Oscars in 2017 that we didn't immediately get another deluge of these. Actually kind of shocked me because I assumed if nothing else the Asylum would have churned one of these out. And even they haven't. I think it's be it's, maybe people didn't really see it as like a creature from the Black Lagoon thing. Like it was mainly just a lot of really weird chicks being into the fish dude. Yeah. I, I, it didn't really spawn much of a, a horror following. It spawned more of a Tumblr fangirl following. So I think that's kind of what put the nail in the coffin. That it, it didn't really establish this uh, return to creature monster movies. It was more just uh, another fat fantasy for that week. Because she did f*** that fish. Yeah, she f*** the fish. Yeah, which I, I guess this is one of the few times where the guy ends up smelling like fish after sex. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, there's no going back, no, is there? Make a lot of chicks angry with this one. Oh, boy. <laughs> I look at The Creature from the Black Lagoon as one of the best of the Universal Monster movies. and I love the old Universal Monster flicks. And I, I'm going to totally agree with you, Peter. If this movie had been made in the original Universal Monster cycle, it probably wouldn't, it probably couldn't have 
been as good as it was. I always, one of the things I always remember about Jack Arnold's direction is just how beautiful everything looked in the original Creature from the Black Lagoon, Mm -hmm. which is why Revenge of the Creature and Creature Walks Among Us were so disappointing. Those were just shot like like monster movies. He didn't shoot the original like a freaking monster movie. There was, um, there's definitely something lost in the, the, the two other sequels. Like you said, it's sort of more just like generic monster movies. There was something so unique about the way that the first film was paced, the way it looked, just everything was incredibly, incredibly unique. And I just think it's funny that it's been 65 years since that movie came out. I'm not so sure a subgenre is the right word. These things are still coming out every couple of years. We do get one. There is some influence. And yeah. It's more, more or less, um, a lot more influence than subgenre. Like you'll just have filmmakers that go, I kind of want to make an aquatic monster guy movie. It is not necessarily a subgenre, but I think somebody at some point thinks, Hey, Creature from the Black Lagoon was really cool. I want to try to make my version of this. I'm just glad that with the mummy failing, we don't get to see Alex Kurtzman mangle this tale. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Oh, man. I was just, I was so curious, like... I mean, at least it didn't go in that direction, but I mean, it could have been one of two ways. It could have been good or it could have been a spectacular failure. I, I don't know. Like, I, I can tell you right now with Alex Kurtzman in charge, it would have been a spectacular failure because <laughs> he is one of the biggest working hacks in Hollywood right well, now. Well, we were talking about it when The Mummy came out and about how the most interesting part was the prodigium scenes. And if they had just made... I, 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 wait, I think you mean S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Yes, the shield. <laughs> but regardless, it was it was interesting because it kind of was cool. Hey, here's this underground secret group of people that are hunting the and and keeping all this stuff secret and very very shield very X Files ish you know uh, or it, it just it, it was cool. It had like they had glimmers of ideas that I feel the producers thought they could just throw money at and get Tom Cruise in there and uh, it would it would be a hit and they learned the hard way that no. Nah, really, you know, you can you can throw Tom Cruise at it all you want, but if your story sucks, people aren't going to like it. If you let Alex Kurtzman write it and direct it, it will suck. What are your guys' final thoughts on the spawn of the creature, though, the creature from the Black Lagoon knockoffs? Well, I'm kind of surprised we didn't bring up Swamp Thing. Well, Swamp Thing... Swamp Thing kind of counts. Swamp... Not really. I mean, it's, more, swamp it's th- more of like a mutagen kind of thing, but I'm... I've always... Well, uh, he's also he's also not an aquatic creature. He's literally made of plant matter. He Swamp Thing is not a creature. creature. He's well, not a fish creature. I know, think he's, he's... I think he's still very much inspired by that sort of thing, though. Like, I, that's what I always assumed from the comics, that he was kind of like a... An, it was like a creature from the Black Lagoon kind of influence, but as more of, of like a kind of heroic anti-hero type that's a, a lot more humanoid, but still kind of like green and slimy and, you know, that does hang out in the water a lot. I, I don't consider Swamp Thing a, a creature. I creature. think aesthetically he is. Because he kind of has that I just, look. I, especially after the Alan Moore took over the creature, it turned out that Alec Holland did die in the explosion and his consciousness was actually transferred into the plant matter. So Alex Holland doesn't exist, but the 
made Alex Howland's soul is now fully plant based. So I'm talking after more Alan like, Moore rewrote I, it. I'm thinking more like Wynorski's Return of Swamp Thing that has a very creature. Oh, I, I'm sort talking of the comics. I'm going. I'm talking the Alan Moore Stephen Bissett. I'm stuff. going more movies, which is you know Re- Return of Swamp Thing is like heavily influenced on those kind of like creature feature B movies. So that's that's kind of where I was going with it. Uh, I disagree with you on that one. So uh, it is a property or an IP as it were that uh, is really interesting. I'd like to see some new variations of it but um i don't know with the current crop of films like everything now kind of sucks i just have a feeling <laughs> that uh they'll take this really good idea and do another uh mummy with tom cruise and just make it shitty and uh, i don't want that so i want them to kind of i i would rather it exist on its own than have it be another just soulless retread i can't disagree with that so where can we find peter not getting out of bed for this show because he's lazy you can find me in in my swamp or my lagoon, which is my bed, on Twitter at Cinematica, on Facebook, The Cinematicist, YouTube, The Cinematicist, and 1201beyond.com. Other, of course, fine programming. Patreon at Cinematica. Please support. Thank you. I appreciate you. Where can we find Cecil distancing himself from my fish-smelling joke as much as possible? <laughs> oh, are you kidding? I still get shit over, uh, like, I have videos that are like, uh, you made a mm, sexual remark about a woman. I'm like, yeah, and I also made a crap ton about men and everything else. Relax, people. Anyway, you can find me uh, over at uh, GoodBadFlicks.com as well as GoodBadFlicks on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com. The Twitch channel will be coming back as soon as I get a new capture card. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Remember to use the drone code at adamandeve.com or for the Nord code, 1201beyond.com backslash VPN. You guys can contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. One, Have a good one night. One foot in the swamp. Del Monte, you remember Del Monte?
bigger, tastier salmon by genetic engineering. It didn't work.
French fries are no longer yellow. Brace thyself for the humanoids of the DD. Louis Leakey, eat your heart out. Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.